A Resident Evil smorgasbord. And Xbox makes a swift reversal. Well, hello there, and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 198. 198. And not, and not, not as always, because last week I was missing. Oh. Everybody was blessed by the presence of Chris Fig- Fitz. I don't know why I was trying to say figs. Figs. Is it figs? Yes. So, so my, my conscience is right. My brain is wrong. Perfect. That sounds about right. That's, um, that's normal, though, right? Yes. That is very much normal line with us. Um so yeah, last last weekend we went to Dallas, and I don't know if you gave a full breakdown on the show, even though I listened to it, I don't remember. But uh, <laughs> my tummy was bothering me, and I was like, you know what? It's it's better to either have no show or a fill in instead of me going to the bathroom every fifteen minutes, or I, a late show. That or, was we had some options. I mean, you know, it was no show on time. Yeah, and even a late show was up in the air at that point because I started feeling better around six thirty to seven, and I was like, well, I wouldn't know if I'd feel better. So then you'd be waiting all day to hear me. Text back. Yeah. At that point, it's just, it almost isn't even worth it. Yeah. Um, so it worked out. Thankfully, we, we didn't have to wait and try and record midway through the week. Uh, we had Chris come in and fill in, which I thought was really fun. Great episode. Of course, if you watch this uh, show on YouTube, you may have noticed it wasn't there because, of course, Chris being in uh, Connecticut made that basically impossible. There's some stuff coming that may mean in the future when we have somebody who needs to take out that Chris can fill in in a more official capacity. Um, not that it, that wasn't official, but we'll talk more about that as uh, moves get made. So starting this show off the right way, the time-honored tradition, Saul. You have a, a big face going over there. What's going on here? I just looked at a capture card now for the PS5, and it's $400 for probably, an Elgato one. <laughs> probably because it's supposed to be 4K, 4K 60. 60. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Ooh. my goodness. But what have I been playing this week, you ask? Um, I haven't played Destiny at all this week. I was busy on Tuesday, and um, that's normally what I play. But... Oh, yeah, but so you normally hop in for the raid. I guess you yeah, skipped this week. I skipped this week, and I'm going to have to skip next week, so sucks to suck. But Screw you, Destiny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I played a brand new game to completion, and... A brand new game? Yeah, Call of Cthulhu. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still kind of mixed on new, it. New to you, yeah. Yeah, new to me. Um, I started late Sunday night after... <sighs> I was just sitting there bored and I didn't, you know, I didn't feel good and I just wanted something to do and it wasn't on sale and I kind of wish it was cause I don't, I had a good time with it, but it's one of those games very similar to Detroit where you feel like you're making all these cool choices. And at the end, if the ending doesn't fit your expectation or anything, you're just kind of like, well, that's just really lame. And I don't like the ending of that game. At least the ending I got. You see, I was about to say, that's the weird thing is that there are multiple endings. Yeah. And you're right. Some of the choices you make, it's okay. It's, it's the illusion of choice, right? It comes down to where the main decision that actually matters is really the last decision. You get the illusion of choice throughout all the others, and it does have small impacts on what you're doing throughout the game and the way that you view the world. But when it comes down to the final decision, that's the one that actually ends up doing something. So it yeah. feels like, and the only reason I say that is that any game where you can choose one way the whole time and then suddenly flip and then the ending just acts like you always ran it that way, or at least it doesn't feel like it's in line with all the other decisions you've made, it creates this kind of disconnect with the title. Yeah. Uh, and I, and that's unfortunate. That's the hardest thing about games that give you choices. But also, okay, so I did not realize this. So how, how much did you pay for it before we go too far? $30 or $40, whatever the full retail price is, because it was not on sale. If it was full retail price, I think it was forty nine ninety nine. 
Uh, then I, maybe it was. It on may have sale. price dropped since but, then. Uh, yeah, to a forty. But I also got the game on sale for I think like under thirty. I know that much. Well, there's two. There's two things with this game that I um, realized, and that is I should have read the description of it because this game was based off of the tabletop game. Which I don't have any. I don't have any experience with. Sure. I mean, of course, that's all still loosely based off of the general works of. See, that's the weird part is I've read Call of Cthulhu before, and this did nothing the same. The same. Well, I, and that's what I mean. I shouldn't say that it has something to do specifically with that. What piece. the hell? It went on sale directly after you bought for it for nine dollars, seventy percent off. Hey, because it was okay. So it is thirty bucks new. Call PlayStation. I should be like, hey, I just bought this game, and now it's on sale. Um, <laughs> But uh, just a week later, you think they'd roll with just it? Just a week later, I, yeah, maybe. But the weird part about that game was that it was really enjoyable up until the end, and like it was really the ending that was kind of like lame, I guess. To me, I'm playing Call of Cthulhu for not only the Lovecraftian horror in it, the the writing was actually really well done. The voice acting was done pretty well um, hit or miss with a couple of characters but it was solid hit, yeah. for the most part yeah. hit or miss with a couple of characters the gameplay was really fun the whole detective stuff and figuring out clues and stuff like that but at the end of the day i just felt like it didn't you, you know you're playing a game called call of cthulhu you're like i want to summon cthulhu and it'd be dope and it wasn't it was so lame the i don't know what ending you got but i got the ending i want to talk more about it yeah yeah i got the ending where um well i mean i don't want to spoil the game though there's like three finished. endings even then, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. True. I get your point, but we can talk about it a little bit after the yeah, show, just, just before know, you head. Just know that my ending, I got a taste of Cthulhu, and I didn't get the whole meal. Sure. And I was like, this is lame. Understood. Um, well, one thing I talked to you about the game is I feel like there's a lot that it's price does come into play. Yeah. And, and I, I don't, as much as I enjoyed the game, I think it's a much harder sale at full price of $50, which I'm pretty sure it was at launch. Yeah, now it's 30 30 I think, is an okay price. If you were going to even buy it full price, great. If you haven't played it and you have any interest in it, it being $9 is honestly a solid deal. I think it has a cool story, even if the ending does potentially lead you time for um, disappointment. But I think there's a lot of interesting mechanics in the game. There is. I like the fact that it employs a first-person perspective. I feel like that really helps with what they're doing in that game. Um it gives it this feeling of where if you played the original Dishonored, even more so than Dishonored 2, the original Dishonored has a real weird, you know, beached whale vibe and stuff. And this game has got kind of all of that. The way that the environment looks, the way that you're moving around and making choices. It's not nearly as open as Dishonored, clearly, because it's not what it's trying to do. It's being a little bit more detective-wise. But I like the game a lot. And I also like the way that it tries to mess with gameplay because it's not your normal idea of a game you're not always you're not really fighting stuff you're just you're kind of going through a story where crazy things happen and you have to respond in tow you know? and, and that part honestly is pretty fun in my opinion yeah. but for for what i wanted i wanted something that was like i get to see this elder god and you know, you get a couple of seconds with them, and then it's or like thirty to thirty seconds to like a minute of seeing them, and then it ends. And I'm just like, you know, like I wanted to see him do something to the world. Like I, like it was just like, oh, he's summoned now. Over. I'm like, well, that's just like it. I never saw ramifications of him actually 
being in the world. And I thought that would have been a really cool aspect of the show. The game is relatively short. I think I beat the game in like a 10-hour playtime, and I didn't even rush or nothing. Yeah, I'd say 10 to 12 hours, depending on how good you are at puzzles. Yeah. Because that's really what it is. And, and there was only like one puzzle that got stuck on. There was a really frustrating part at the end of the game that I got stuck on. And I was like, it, it made me look up a YouTube guide. And even then with a the YouTube guide, it, it's not even a puzzle. It was just like you're having to run through a building that's falling. And it was like there was the first set of like rafters that would fall on your head and kill you and make you restart and watch the cutscene. And that was what was irritating. You had to sit there and watch a 45-second cutscene you couldn't skip. I didn't die that during that part. I died over and over and over again. And I don't, <laughs> to this day, like I don't know why. Like yeah. I, I eventually got through it doing the exact same thing over and over again. And it was just like... I don't know if the detection of my character was weird and it was like, oh, you're in the death zone, so we're going to kill you kind of thing. But it just happened over. It, it happened at least 10 times. And that, and and not being able to skip that cutscene was really annoying. So here's uh, here's the more interesting thing that we both get to can kind of do. It'd be cool if we could kind of line it up and talk about it in real time while we're both kind of playing it. If we get a time where there's not a lot happening, I want to play The Sinking City. Which is that one looks good. Also, a different take on pulling into the Lovecraftian horror, and it goes even more in on the detective aspect because this is detective aspect, but with a more linear storyline. That one, apparently, from what I'm understanding, is a little bit wider in how you approach, and you can go around and talk to different people and learn different things, and that changes how you progress through the game. If I'm not mistaken, I could be mistaken, but I hope not. Well, and for me, and it goes on sale pretty often as well. I think if we can nab that for like less than sixty dollars, ooh. You know what? I might even own that game because... See, now that would be dope. That's how I am. <laughs> that would be... That's what I kind of wanted to see throughout the game. Yeah, that's $60. Um, who made this game? I don't remember. See, Call of Cthulhu, I was willing... I, it, because it was a Focus Home interactive game, and Focus yeah. Home has been doing really well, I still stand by that. I think that that game was a good game, and Focus has continued to do great stuff in the in the AA space. Well, I mean, yeah, and don't get me wrong, this is a very much so AA game. I yeah. think the first thing I told oh, you was, this looks like a PS3 game. Because yeah. it did. It, like, it, it looks like Dishonored. Well, I was, it looks like a PS3 AAA game. Yeah, it, it looks like a PS3 game, especially in cutscenes. When you're out of cutscenes, you could definitely see that this is a AA PS4 game. But in, in cutscenes, like the hair was bad. Every And I'm not knocking it in that regard. I'm just saying... You're, you know, you're right, and there seem to expectations be, for this. and it's something I ran into with Destiny's PS5 thing as well, where for some reason, the pre-rendered cutscenes, I, I understand it. They compress them to make them take up less room in the game. But because of that, pre-rendered cutscenes that have been compressed look bad. That's just how it goes. There's a... Um, there's parts in the game where a pre-rendered cutscenes go, and you're like, why didn't you just do that in the engine? Which is why I continue to say I wish games would stay in engine. You can do the same thing and do something that's way more efficient at pulling off what you want to do and looking good without having to worry about compression artifacts. Because in Destiny 2's new storyline for Beyond Light, there's a cutscene where an uh, old girl takes Varric's arm, yeah. and the whole scene is super compressed. I'm like, why would you do this? It's how I felt about Godfall's opening. They have this crazy detailed or should be crazy detailed pre-rendered cutscene, but you're getting compression artifacts to the point where it looks worse than if you just showed me this all in game. But we are where we are at that point. So well, that's cool. So that's the only thing you play this week. No ghost of Tsushima. Ooh. I've restarted that uh, with a PS five enhancement. I, I saw that on Twitter and I am what I think is nearing, nearing the end of chapter one or whatever the act one may be, I guess. Yeah. I think the acts are split up by the Island pieces to an extent. Yeah. Like I've, I, now, that is a game that has one ending and certain spoilers in that game, so I won't talk about that, but um, I rescued a certain character, and I, that's like the third character I've rescued, I think, yeah. technically, so um, 
I am about ten hours in. I'd say ten to twelve. It feels yeah. like. Do you? Does it feel a lot better? Because I've not come back to yes. the game on PS5. Does it feel a lot better in sixty? Absolutely. I figured it would. Ab- uh, did you? Did you find yourself having the issue that some people had, where uh, the game? Not having a lock on was just yes. screw you up. I, I thought I remembered you saying it early days. Yeah, that was that's there's two there's two complaints I have with the game um involving combat. And that is that the controls feel a little odd, like to do certain things. Um it's just not what I'm used to. Not even that's a bad thing, but to 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 throw stuff like a kunai, I'm still hitting L one because I don't know why that just feels more natural instead of blocking. Like I feel like I should block with R one, okay, and that yeah. might be something in relation to how much I played Dark Souls. I don't yeah. know why. Where um, this is clearly not a Souls game, either. right? But then the second thing is is combat. I I don't like that there is no lock on, mainly just because it leads to like goofy scenarios, like where you'll kill an enemy, and then Jen will keep his sword raised up, which is signaling that there's somebody else around you, and then he 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 himself will look at the enemy, which will then in turn flip the camera. To that where he's going, and it can cause for some janky moments in combat. Does especially, it push the camera for you? Yeah, especially in um, like bandit camps or like Mongol camps, I guess, because they're so. There's a couple of them that are like kind of tight. Yeah, and it just feels like um, it just feels odd. And it might not be flipping the camera itself. It might be me doing it to find out where he's at. <laughs> to looking, yeah. But even then, it's just the way he's the way he himself is moving by himself. Like in terms of rotating around to tell you where the enemy is versus the camera movement just feels weird. It doesn't feel natural at all. Hmm. It, I don't think I've ever played a game where a character without a lock-on system looks at the enemies. Like, like if he's looking, one I didn't direction, remember if he did or not. We'll uh, flip to another direction if there's enemies nearby. But I definitely know that early days, I thought the same thing. Why does this game not have a lock on? And by the end of the game, it didn't matter to me that there wasn't a lock on. It, it, it's it, like you become competent with what you're. Yeah, it doesn't mean it's not a mark against the game technically, but you get to a point where you're you understand what the game's doing and you're comfortable within that, so you just know what to do. Now that doesn't mean that it couldn't have worked out to where. If it's going to be that way, right, to where there's not a lock-on system but you eventually get comfortable, it should be that you get comfortable within the first 30 minutes to an hour, yeah. not that you get comfortable within the first couple of hours of gameplay, which is kind of what it was for many people. But also I think it's because of the way the game starts. The way the game starts is on, as a kind of on rails. Not in a bad way. Yeah. But the literal opening of the game is kind of like, we're we're going to move you in this direction and funnel you and... Then we're going to give you an open world scenario where you can get surrounded by enemies. What um, what I myself like about that game is that anytime that there is a trailing mission or just an accompanying mission with a um, with another NPC in which you have to follow, yes. or they follow with you. Yeah. If you sprint, they sprint. Yes. So like they will always like you could get to objectives and stuff faster. Which I'm not trying to rush through the game, but I do not like slow walking scenes in any video game. Period. Yeah. That's 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 one of my least favorite aspects of a video game is anytime you have to stop what you're doing and and what was, what was it Arkham uh, City I think in which you would get a call or something you'd just stand there talking on the call, like you'd be holding your helmet or whatever and you'd be walking so slow or was yeah that- I was say I think you could still walk it was just that like you're in a call so you can't run or yeah whatever you're just yeah I think and, you're right and it's just to me it's interrupting especially for a game like that. But um, that that's something that's really cool is that you can actually tailor that around to how you need it to be. Yeah, NPC speed track, a speed matching basically, really is needed. You know. Yeah. And I also like games that take take it to where it's like, oh, uh, and I think 
It might have been The Witcher that did this as well, but I know Red Dead 2 did it to where if you double-tapped X and held it, you would just follow beside the people. Yeah, like an auto-run. It's like, oh, you don't have to worry about it. You're just doing this. We know that you want to follow these people, and you're going to speed max them. That way you don't have this moment like, I've been playing Mere Automata. That's all I've been playing. I completely beat it, got all the way to ending E, did ending E. And, of course, we all know the repercussions of that if you've played the game. Right. Uh, So in that, there's a couple of missions where you have to escort people or escort machines or whatever, and you just kind of have to walk at their pace. And it's fine. It works better in that game than some. Mm -hmm. But there is that thing sometimes where you're like, why am I following behind these people? And I have to feel like I'm running and then slowing down and then running and then slowing down because I'm trying to keep up with them, but I'm not trying to just pass them because if I pass them, you'll get too far away and then it'll mission failed. It's it's annoying for well, certain. Yeah, and that game actually kind of did that to me. There's a part where you have to follow a specific slaver, Mongol, and it's actually, it's actually at the mission that I did last night. And he's like weaving in and out of buildings and stuff, but you can't, you're sneaking, so you can't be seen. And Yuna is with you. And there's a part like where I'm up on a roof and Yuna keeps like jumping around. And like there, I've noticed some jank with like NPCs where yeah. they'll like they'll run in place or they'll o- run open in place, world jank. Yeah, yeah, and they'll run around in a circle and then they'll run away. Yeah, and that I can see what you mean in terms of that kind of complaint. Yeah, other it than happens. other than near though, or you said near. What else have you been playing? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing at all, actually. <laughs> I was so needing to get through near. And that doesn't mean I wanted to play it, so that's not a big deal. But right. then it became the thing of where I was just like, God, I love this game. I just want to play it every second that I can. <laughs> so it was there. I mean, you know, I did have that feeling of like where I went and took my daughter bowling. Uh, me and my wife did Tuesday because they have $2 bowling games. Man, and you know what's funny about bowling? I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, do you know how many times like I went bowling before I was like a germaphobe and I was like, let's bowl and eat nachos, but not wash my hands. (laughs) It terrifies me to this day. I'm just like, why would I do that? More weird that you became a germaphobe. Yeah. Well, I I wouldn't even say that, but like everybody goes bowling and it gets like nachos or pizza or something. And you're bowling, you're putting your fingers in a a ball ball that that hundreds of people have put their fingers in. And there's no way those can be adequately clean. No. And then you're eating nachos. Yep. I can't do it. That's life. If you're gonna do it, at least eat it with a fork. You we, know? we should have a fun night though. Again, like like we did when we played laser tag. Like one Friday night, we all go out and we bowl or play laser tag or something. Yeah, super fun. I really like laser tag. Keeps you in shape too. If I had the money, yeah, I'd use that as my way of uh, working out every week. <laughs> okay, guys, uh, we're gonna hop into the community's take real quick. Is there um, a community's take? There is. I didn't do it in the episode, and I didn't realize. One of the things about podcasting with Chris is I'm normally doing you know, midweek matinee or with him or weekly movie podcast, or we're doing the spoiler chats thing. And I realized that you get so used to podcasting with someone that I wasn't thinking so much about, oh, this is what we normally do at the end of the show. It was kind of just, well, let's wrap this thing up and go on about our day. So sorry about that. But I did go through, and I decided to ask – the community if they had one that they wanted to do since it was last minute i figured i could come up with one but i'll ask them real quick and what we ended up going with is one from one of our patrons mr rude days 93 uh and go ahead and tell you right now guys this show's about to go off the rails for about two minutes so if if you're one of the people that really liked that this show stays really clean for the most part 
We're golden. Oh, dear. But you're going to, for two minutes, we're going to talk about something that's funny. Uh, Blake decided to come in to my suggestion and say that, what's the weirdest thing you've ever jacked off to? Which led to a conversation about all of the bosses of the gaming companies. And apparently, we've landed on Doug Bowser being the most attractive. Am I am I like a babysitter for this show? And whenever I'm gone, things just go off the rails. Awry? Yeah. Absolutely, they do. I can't miss an episode of this place again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, they do. It's funny. Um, so there, there's that. Uh, also, you know what? What did, what was you know what never mind I'm not <laughs> where, where we get to with rude days we're back we're back in the normal show you know if you're watching this you, thumbs up you can watch again uh, you can un you can unmute it you're good to go what we actually landed on is uh, rude days saying if not Blake's suggestion maybe bold unlikely predictions you have for the gaming industry in 2021 uh, to which Blake replied bold of you to assume he wouldn't pick mine so. Over in the community stake, I'm going to go ahead and grab one off of Facebook because Saul does not have access to that. I sure don't. Fun stuff over here. I like this question because it's kind of like, what is people? what in people's minds? I think typically when you look at what a bold prediction is, it's normally something that you just really want to happen that you either think is really going to happen or you know it's wild, but you just, in your heart of hearts, believe that there's a small chance that it can happen. Right. So... One that I think we're going to see, and actually I saw that we've we've had a couple of people say that it's highly likely, at least off of rumors, uh, Josh Shoup says Nintendo will announce a new gaming system that is coming within a year or two. Uh, and that follows up by Cody McGinnis saying the same thing. He thinks that Nintendo will announce a Switch Pro of some sort within the, year, within the next year, which from everything we're seeing seems not unreasonable. We've seen... That's not bold at all. <laughs> It's uh, it's weird because I, it's timing. I think people feel like well, the Switch is doing so well, and it's not clearly having a lack of games. It's not that old yet. It's only three years old, uh, coming into its fourth year. And you get that feeling of, like, is it ready to go up? But the thing is, is we've seen Nintendo do this before with the, Nintendo, the new Nintendo uh, 3DS. Now, here's the downside of that. When we saw them do that, what did we actually see them use the new Nintendo 3DS for? Like three games. Exactly. And it kind of gets to the point of the only benefit I could really see them doing here is that it would give them the opportunity to still find some way for people who prefer Nintendo to play some of the biggest AAA titles that are going to keep coming. Because you are going to get to a point where games are either going to have to be aware that they want to be for Switch Day 1 and have to be designed in a constrained manner to be able to be scaled down enough to play on Switch. Um or you can come out with a Switch Pro, which hopefully gives more power with it, and then you get to the point where, in, a, in an interesting thing, I don't, know, I don't think it would be called the Switch Pro, but they still call the Switch Lite a Switch, even though it clearly can't switch. Yeah. So a Switch Pro could be the exact opposite of the Lite. It could be a console only, and that's how it has enough power because it's not trying to be in a mobile form factor and that way you can get games that are coming like potentially the new mass effect to a degree where yeah it may not be a ps5 because that's not what they're pushing for but it can be something that's reasonably let's call it like a xbox series s right from nintendo i wonder if nintendo's learned to be able to use um like pro console style upgrades that like playstation and xbox use Certain games run better without having there be a separate edition or a separate... Into, like Because, like... We didn't really see that with the 3DS. 
The no. only thing you really saw was some games that weren't new Nintendo on the graphic side of things were able to use the little nub for a, con- a camera, camera control. control. That was yeah. about it. Because Xenoblade, that was a new 3DS game. Yeah. Exclusive. I wonder I wonder if like Breath of the Wild will just get updates to play it true 1080p 60 or 4K, whatever they want to do, without there having to be Breath of the Wild new Switch version. Yeah, like a separate release. Like a separate, yeah. So that'll be interesting. That would, and then you can have the thing going forward too where certain third-party games that can still function on the normal Switch can just have, here are the pro enhancements. Yeah. Here are the normal things. Also, please do something reasonably like Switch Pro or Switch Plus or something. Don't... New Switch. Don't come out here and say new Switch. Don't come out here and say Switch Series X or some crap. Just... Keep Series it simple. X. Just keep it simple, okay? Play- <laughs> Liam on Discord hits us with PlayStation will roll out their new Gundam program, and then all the money they gain will be to fly through space and save mankind from not only Galactus but Harry Potter as well. I want to know where he's been read what he's been reading. Uh, like I like a, it. Sounds like a dope, dope uh, comic book. It sounds like great fanfic. You know what I mean? It's just like, what do you want to do? We're gonna have Galactus and Harry Potter all together, <laughs> along with Gundam. Let's just slap them all together. Megatron will come in, you know, and fight Voltron. We'll just all the. It's like a Shonen Jump arc, (laughs) where they all come up together for a single. Oh yeah, that would actually be kind of cool. Though I guess that's kind of what Shonen Jump's already there for. Also, isn't that kind of what Ready Player One is in a way? (laughs) True. Because they had Chucky fight in Gundam, so that's true. Uh, Josh hits us with one too, saying Halo Infinite will be shown again and look better, but will still have controversy from something again and then be delayed to 2022 without a date. I do think that one's bold because I think, I think there's no way with how Microsoft got backlash the first time that they choose to legitimately show this again when they are not certain they're going to release it. Even if there is yeah. some level of flack, I think that they will be sure that it's a level that they're willing to take and go, but I will say this. Something in the news that we'll talk about later does give some precedent to what he's kind of talking about where if enough pressure is given, as we've seen a few times from Xbox now, they completely change their plans. Somebody said this, uh, that Phil found a bottle of Don Matrix stupid juice and chugged it, and then the effects <laughs> wore off, and that's why I got reversed. <laughs> uh, he was still working through the hangover. Yeah. That's rough, but... I'm going to get another one over from Facebook, and then we're going to switch over to Twitter to see some of what you guys had to say. Uh, Ken Nay says, Sony announces a deal with Disney to make another Marvel game and a Star Wars game. Please, no. I don't want to see deals with Disney. This one's interesting, because I guess it's potential with Star Wars, but I always looked originally at the idea for Spider-Man being a clear, like, this is some of the ways that they could grease each other's palms so that Spidey could stay in the MCU. I don't like... Well, my thing is, is I don't... There's already an MCU Spidey. And it's Tom Holland. I like what they're doing now with, like, Spider-Man on the PS4. Pro, PS4, yeah. PS5 or whatever. And Miles. I don't want them to, like... Because that would for, force them to merge worlds. How do you mean? Well, I mean, if this... If they make a... Disney Spider-Man game, it would have to be 
Tom Holland, wouldn't it? No, I think what he's if saying is that no, because you got to think the deal with Disney is what made Marvel Spider Man that we got on PS4 happen anyway. I think he's just saying that we'll get another original universe, maybe a tie-in to Spider-Man PS4, but an original universe game that comes in, uh, kind of like what we saw with Avengers, where he's just thinking that another studio working specifically with Sony exclusively will get the chance to develop another thing that's not Spider-Man. Because while everybody thought that that was the reason that Spider-Man PS4 happened, and it very well could have been, from what we remember hearing from different reports, we had Sony approach Insomniac and say, we're working on a deal with Disney for you guys or for us to make a game exclusively and they want it to be with you, what game do you want to make? And they chose Spider-Man. So that would actually debunk, if that's true, that would debunk the rumors that this was primarily something that happened as an opportunity for the MCU uh, keeping Spidey argument that was going on between Disney and them for a while. But the other thing that I think kind of gives to that is that there's no reason that Spider-Man VR would have been exclusive to Sony from any kind of Sony doesn't own any rights in Iron Man. So we still saw Marvel do another deal with Sony for an exclusive game that was a high end VR game. To be fair though, I think it was an exclusive game because they're the only console with a VR tech. Yeah, but there's no reason that that same thing couldn't have been like, uh, let's take another Disney property, for example, right? We have Star Wars and Star Wars Vader Immortal has been out on everything and is now actually released last i think on psvr so there's no reason that these things can't go off but sony acted as the publisher and microsoft i mean marvel actually did a deal with you're gonna you're gonna do this you're gonna give this game to someone sony had already worked with ilphonic on um uh, not ilphonic because ilphonic's not the one who made this i can't remember i'm thinking of a predator hunting ground but that is another that is another licensed game that went exclusively through sony so sony has something going on to where I think studios who are right now looking at this idea of we want to get out there because Disney, we talked about last episode, almost completely left the gaming market themselves mm-hmm. back in 2015. They, cut, they shut down all the Disney studios that they had. Uh, some of their studios got bought by other people, and they were done. Then we come back in 2018 with them saying, well, now we're still keeping Marvel's games going because that was still technically going, and we're going to start selectively partnering with companies to make higher end games that are not these cheap licensed games you were used to getting. Now they're doing this again with star Wars. So it's not that crazy for them to say who is known in the industry for making really great games that are primarily single player focused. See, well, and then that's why they go Sony. And then, and that's why the opportunity for Microsoft to also get an exclusive game does exist is that they're just looking at someone to make a quality game. I want if this is to happen, I want them to start from the ground up and make a spiritual successor to KOTOR. And what I would like is yes. uh, Disney give the rights to Star Wars to Sony. Sony <sighs> makes a very um, story-driven game where you create your own character and you start out as a Jedi and that you start out as a Jedi, unlike Jedi Fallen Order. That's one of the coolest things that I think you could do in a video game is to make your own character and and... Not only that, but you forge him through his creating his first lightsaber between. So you're saying like going, actually starting as a Padawan, yeah, not as actually a starting. Well, yeah, starting as a Padawan, okay, yeah. and then going through his, you know, four hour story of whatever it takes of time skips and stuff like that after creating your first lightsaber and customizing how it looks, and then setting a setting a stage for a really cool cinematic experience and having it that I could be a Sith Lord if I want to by the end of the game or I could be a pure Jedi or I could be a gray Jedi. Give them something like that in terms of a heavy RPG setting with good writing. Okay, so 
also, when Saul said give Sony the rights to Star Wars, I don't think he meant exclusively. Clearly, we know it's open to everybody now, but right. partner with them. Partner <laughs> just in with case them. anybody was taking what he said wrong. Uh, but in that scenario, I'm following you. I like it. If we're, if we're talking specifically giving Sony a, a crack at this, what developer that Sony has worked with do you think is a good fit for that game? Focus Home Interactive. Has Sony worked with them? I don't know. But we this just, is the first time. If it was Focus Home Interactive, I think they'd be publishing the game themselves, though, right? Let's just break all the rules. <laughs> uh, I know this sounds crazy. I want a no, From Software no. <laughs> Star Wars game. And the reason I say that is because I like to see a Japanese take on Star Wars. That'd be cool. But that's also that's literally all it is. Is I want to see someone with a more Japanese mindset make an original Star Wars game, just to see what they choose to do from a mechanical standpoint. To be fair, Star Wars is really deep rooted in like Japanese, Japanese culture. Lore, yeah. yeah, like it's it's essentially samurai. Yeah, but just in space. Yeah, um, and that's know. why I'd like to see that. I don't know who I'd want. Like Naughty Dog wouldn't fit the bill because they're not. I wouldn't see them as a Melee-dependent developer. I wouldn't even say that. I think the big question for your situation becomes, who does Sony work with in a consistent, somewhat consistent basis that is really heavy RPG? That has the ability to be really heavy RPG. Now, if you look, all the Souls games are RPG to a degree. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're, they're more like Metroidvania 3D, but with some RPG elements as well. So that's why I think it would also be cool for From Software. Now, we've not seen them do necessarily what you're talking about, no. but I think that they'd have the ability to move that direction. And maybe it wouldn't be quite as deep as you'd want, but it'd be an interesting take and could still be RPG-focused. But, you know, when you think Sony is not the the RPG-heavy place that they used to be way back in the yeah. day. I mean, you, you have RPG teams, but a lot of them are Japanese. You have, like, the team that is behind Wild Arms, that you know that that exists. You could still try and leverage that something out of Sony Japan. You could do one of those studios. Um, you have l- all the studios starting to dip into light RPG mechanics like Gorilla and Days Gone. Uh, you know, or Horizon with Gorilla and Ben with Days Gone. But none of them are quite heavy enough that I would think, oh yeah, that's what you would want for like a Kotor style. Even if it's not exactly like old Kotor, a Kotor style Star yeah. Wars game. Like I would say Obsidian, obviously, but that won't be Sony. Uh, yeah, see, that's the weird thing is I almost think that the right answer in this particular situation is would be to give a KOTOR game to Microsoft and let Obsidian make it. Like they used to. Um, I don't know. Sucker Punch would be cool. EA has had the opportunity to do this for years and have never bothered, even though they have EA. BioWare. And BioWare yeah. has been drowning by making games that are un-BioWare-like. Yeah, And yet you wouldn't say, hey, we have the EA rights or the, the Star Wars rights here. Let's make a... Which that could still happen. That's the thing. Bioware still exists. EA can still make Star Wars games. Yeah, they could. Bioware could make a good Star Wars game. But that's essentially what Mass Effect is in a very loose way. Th- that's the wild thing is I actually think if I were going to go towards a Star Wars game, like what you're talking about from software, because I want to see them take a, more of an RPG take. But if we're going to go more of what I think Sony's strengths in this last generation have been, Lionhead Studios. <laughs> You crack me up. Um, They're like Fable. They don't even exist. That would actually do it. A, a Lionhead developed Star Wars game. Would be dope. Back in the day. Yeah. Like in the height of Fable fame would have been dope. But I think that you want to go more towards something that's almost like The Force Unleashed. Where you still get to go through and explore. Uh, you know, I know it sounds weird. It's almost like you're taking the idea of a Horizon. Because that's what 
it's like you're looking back at a past civilization and what was different. And some of the coolest parts of the first Force Unleashed were when you were going to like old Jedi temples and running through the ruins and learning stuff. And that was also clearly part of what was in uh, Fallen Order, which I know right. you didn't beat necessarily, but um, there are parts of that in Fallen Order as well. But I think that Sony would be more along the lines to make something like that. Also, please let a Star Wars game stop relying on Darth Vader. Yeah, that's true. That's I hate that trope in Star Wars. It's like, what are we going to do? Well, let's just have Darth Vader in it. As I know he's big to the thing, but definitely now that the movies are like we're moving away from the Skywalkers, yeah. let's move away from the Skywalkers. Do you know the only instance in which that was really done well in that I've seen? Rogue One. Rogue One was, well, because of where it took place in yeah. the story. Yeah. It, it did it so well. It did. It did. All right, let's move off of that one. Uh, let's go hop over to Twitter and see who we got. Chris Figgs, he hits us with one that uh, would be kind of cool if true. Uh, he says, he'll up the ante, Master Chief Collection to PS5. Rumors ramp up heavy, as does Games Pass to PS5, setting the scene for it to happen very soon. I would, lo- I would love that. Bold, and I, it's not even that I completely disagree. It's that I don't see it happening this close to the start of the gen, personally. That's about the only place I'm at with you. I, I'm following your mindset, and I think that we're getting to where by the end of the generation, this is the, ultimately what Microsoft goes toward. Yeah. But I don't think we're there yet. I think that Microsoft has just enough reasons to, to still push their machine that they wouldn't yet want to put Game Pass on someone else. But I don't know. I mean, it's clearly possible. And maybe if they keep getting a lot of backlash... <laughs> This happens sooner rather than later, but I, I don't know. It also depends on how much Microsoft really wants to have Game Pass be the thing. Because what's the quickest way for you to add more Game Pass subscribers? Bring in a new ecosystem. Bring in an entirely new ecosystem platform-wise that you can say, hey, here's this platform and here's this service on that platform. Now you're opening yourself up, if you put it on PS4 as well, you're opening yourself up to upwards of 100 million new customers, potentially. Yeah. Uh, Dennis, a.k.a. Kevin Bacon, he hits us with a, a hard one. He says, Call of Duty will not be the best-selling game of the year for the first time in 14 years. We teased this last episode, saying that it'd be crazy if this got broke by MLB. We don't believe it necessarily, but MLB's going multi-plat this year. I've heard bad things about um, Cold War, so I could see that. I've heard not great things about it either. Th- then again, Call of Duty is like any one of them can be bad, and people will still buy them yearly. Yeah, you know, as much as I may have loved it, Infinite Warfare is the, like, you know, unwanted stepchild of the whole Call of Duty thing, and it still was the best-selling game of its year. Yeah. So, but I, someone else put, and it is the light, I like this one because it's on Twitter, Shadow00 says, this year will be one of the best years in gaming as far as gaming releases goes. Now, there, there's someone else that we can go get to in a minute that's going to kind of go in an opposite direction of that to a degree. But if you think about that, I think that always it's got to be that Call of Duty messes up pretty big time in a year where there's a lot of big games coming. And if that if those two things can kind of hit at the right time and another game can come out and just do really well and be kind of a smash success and a huge game before it even came out hype-wise, then you can dethrone it. Right. But we'll certainly see. I'm I'm just hoping Elden Ring comes out this year and is good. Yeah. I mean, Elden Ring is clearly not going to be the one to dethrone Call of Duty. 
Uh, I'm sure they're happy if Elden Ring sells 10 million copies, which is nowhere near Call of Duty numbers, but that's okay. Uh, let me go see if I can find the one that I was looking at. I think it might be on Facebook. Yes. Mick Jones says, delays, delays, and more delays. PS5 has been out a couple of months and still no release dates on launch window titles, such as Ratchet and Clank and Gran Turismo 7. God of War 100% 2022 release. I'll even guess they will leave it to a late 2022 release. Um and you know, that's the one that kind of goes against that in the sense of right now, it looks like if every game releases in the line of when they're hoping, when they first announced it, then this does have the chance to be one of the biggest years in gaming. But if those titles get moved off and get delayed, this may not be as strong as a year as we originally thought. Or hoped. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's kind of where it is on there. I'm going to go grab one more off of Facebook, uh, and then we're going to call it for the today. Thank you guys for responding. Derek Porter, one of our patrons, says, Sony meets PS5 production goals and actually ships more than needed. What? What do you mean, what? Just what? They're going to actually, instead of it being what we've had so far... They're going to have enough PS5s out to where there's so many that you can actually just have them on the shelves. Yeah, that's all bold, though. <laughs> that's all I was like. I was, I was trying to make sure. I, I give it March. I think about March, you'll it's, see It's them. bold depending on how quickly we go into another lockdown. <laughs> and that's if the, other, if the rest of the world goes into another lockdown with this new strain of COVID hitting. We don't know. True. I said that that would be the last one, but I think this one's funny because it goes in with uh, with Chris's, Chris Figs. It kind of goes alongside it. So Rude Days 93 says, Ooh, says Game Pass will reach late. 40 million subscribers by the end of the year, making Sony rethink their plans with PS Now. And while not having games come day one to the service, it will be six months from now, and they will stay permanently there. Also another one, I think Horizon Zero Dawn 2 will be delayed to 2022, but change and be PS5 only. I could see that. I honestly can see that. I don't know if the change to PS5 only will be the thing. But I don't I think so either. I honestly see it being delayed another year. Bad marketing at that point. Because uh, they've over-promised that they're going to support into 2022 um, PS4 thing. But I do think there's a chance that the game does push back. Though I think it's more likely, since the, the way they kind of went with it, that this game ends up becoming a late 2021 release and God of War pushes to 2022. Yeah. But we'll definitely see. It's possible. Um the thing about Game Pass reaching 40 million subscribers and then making Sony rethink their plans uh, on PS Now, the only thing about that is I don't know that we've quite seen Sony's PS5 PS Now plans, and I'm curious as to whether it would actually be them rethinking or if they already have something in mind that they're thinking about. Because if you remember, Jim Ryan mentioned that going into PS5, that they had big plans to change up how, what they do with PS Now. So... Until we actually get more of a glimpse of what those are, because it's kind of right now, PS Now is in the holding pattern that it started on PS4, which is good. It's better than PS Now was, and the pricing's better. They're doing fine. It may not be Games Pass, but they're doing fine. So you get to the point right now where until we see them break from this holding pattern of just having some pretty strong games come in and rotate out every couple of months, including their own games, I think that will be the time where it's... Uh, Depending on how quickly it is, if we see it before Microsoft ends up having you know thirty or forty million subscribers or whatever, it may have just been that this is what Sony had planned to do all along. If it delays and we don't see a change in PS Now for another year or two, then you might want to think, oh, maybe this is because of Games Passes, a Game Pass success. I can see that, but I 
Hard to say. I still just think that we have two different businesses with two different ideas and that it actually makes more idea, like more sense and leaves more room in the market if Microsoft focuses on being the service company and Sony focuses on being the traditional release focus and then Nintendo rests somewhere in the middle. Because the thing about Nintendo is that they're almost I really I think Sony's in the middle at that point. Nintendo is the farthest example of traditional releases. Prices do not change. They come out when they come out and then that's it. That's this is the big thing of what we're doing. Then Sony really meets in the middle by having something like PS Now, but not to the degree that Microsoft has. Yeah. So I think that's what it is. I think that there's more sense to give three different positions to the market, kind of a hybrid take, more of an actual pure service-based take that still lets you buy it if you de- if you choose to do so, and then Nintendo just releasing games and then having them be $60 for 10 years to come. It works, though. <laughs> it does. That's Because when thing. you trade them in, it's just like, there's all your value back. Or if you don't trade them in, then you just keep them forever like every digital game. That's the one thing. I will say, though, somebody posted a uh, thing about... Was it Animal Crossing? Something was on sale for like half price Nintendo digitally on their store. I was like, that's very shocking. I don't think it was Animal Crossing. I remember that there was a sale, and it surprised me too, for uh, Captain Toad's something recently. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. I don't even know what that game is. And it surprised me because it's so seldom that that happens. Whereas we see Sony within about a year, you're going to be able to get that game for probably 20 to $30. (laughs) Less than a year, like three months. You've said that a few times, and it's... More often than not, not been true except for small windows of like, oh, Black Friday is half price, even though it's a well, new even game. then, I'd say twenty yeah, to thirty. Your, sure, your point 40, stands in that you can get it for that yeah. price, but not as a not as the everyday price, right? Well, I mean, a yeah. lot of times though, like with like Detroit and God of War, like within four to six months of launch, they drop price to a forty dollars, yeah, to, pretty quickly, to a, yes, yeah. And I think forty dollars is a good move, and then you have it to where at a year to a year and a half you can drop down to thirty or twenty, depending on how well the game's done and how well you want it to continue to do. Well, see what I typically see is like God of War going down to thirty nine ninety nine, or Detroit going down to thirty nine ninety nine, and then three weeks later they're on sale for nineteen ninety nine or twenty five ninety nine. Yeah, like they like typically after a price drop they tend to go on sale. It's true. Yeah, I mean, and that's how you get God of War selling twenty million units. Yeah, you know that's, and it doesn't matter that all twenty million weren't at sixty dollars because in the long run, your volume of people who are buying the game because it's cheaper and then loving it is still better than having a game sixty dollars and sell ten million copies. But you could have sold ten million more if you would have been more flexible with your pricing. Exactly. But like you said, the crazy thing about Nintendo is that while they still clearly have to miss some sales because of people just being like, it's too much for me to risk it. It still primarily works enough for them to be like, it works enough for us to keep doing it. And they, yeah, they keep doing it and then they've never stopped. And it doesn't seem like they have any plans to change. We're getting re we're getting remasters of games that have hardly changed anything on switch that were Wii U titles. And they're the same price on switch as they were on Wii U. And, and yet, they're selling millions. other companies do the same thing, but sell three games for the same price. The only time that that uh, they've done something different is that the Mario collection is sixty dollars, but they're also only selling it for a limited time. <laughs> See, I think that that's I think it's more uncommon of them to make re-releases of things. Yeah, and so that when they do specifically stuff like that, Xenoblade for Wii sure. shoots up in like price, and it becomes collector items. Yeah, and I also think... Uh, and they know that. I also think doing Xenoblade Chronicles to the degree that they did, where it's a considerable change-up, makes it easier to be like, okay, I'm still going to pay full price for it. Now, you get something like Shadow of the Colossus, which is a complete overhaul, yeah. 100%, no change, and still comes out for $40. 
it kind of still makes you go, Nintendo could be better. Yeah. But, yeah, you know. They're going to do what they do. But, uh, you know what? I missed last episode, and uh, I, I can say that I still took care of my balls thanks to Manscaped as we move <laughs> into the news. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you know what, guys? It's a new year. Remember that. And if you want a New Year's resolution that you would like to keep, you can keep those balls fresh down there. Remember that you can pick up the Lawn Mower 3.0. It's got a little fancy light, as you can see. Look at that. God, that's so bright on it camera. It is bright on camera. Wow. Uh, and it's got this nice skin-safe technology so you don't nick your balls. It's great. I tell you. you can, it's waterproof. You can take it in the shower with you. That way you don't have to worry about people barging in and seeing your balls. Nicking the well, I nicking no. the balls. Nicking the balls always hurts. Um, it does. It but, does. You know, I've, we talked about this before. I am. I am a fan of their ball toner and deodorant because I work a job in which I could t- typically sweat, especially in the summer times, and that helps me keep me fresh. And, but their cologne, their cologne's great because I have sensitive skin. I have my favorite cologne of all time that I can't really wear anymore because it will break me out really badly, and it's a great cologne especially for the price like you go to walmart and you go like get like the walmart brands and stuff that are roughly the same 30 dollars yeah that that is and it's just like why would you even do that at that point because you're gonna smell like somebody who's in high school like right off the bat if you go to walmart and buy their sure. colognes yeah um and this one here is a much more complex scent and much more of a mature scent but it's one of those that like you put on and it doesn't overpower the room you're standing in just with with one i do two if I put a cologne, I put in two squirts. I put in one at my neck and then one at the back of my neck. See, I've never been a cologne person, but I've gotten more to where I allow – because I think you know this about me. You don't like scent. My ideal scent is no Clean. scent. Yeah. But where I've kind of gotten to where I'm like it still works out better is lightly scented things that I can put in my hair that have the same effect. And I find that they last longer than cologne do anyway. Yeah. To where like uh, my beard balm will be a certain scent or my hair that what I use to like loosely. I mean, it's really loosely kind of get my hair where it's going to stay. And then it kind of gives me more of a scent profile. I've been comfortable with that. Uh, but you know, one more thing we can talk about besides those darn comfortable boxers that I happen to be wearing right now. <laughs> I was funny. I, was. I, I guessed it. I, I was a guest on my buddy's podcast uh, the other day, Friday, and I wore these underwear on there and then I washed them. And then <laughs> we're wearing them now. I'm getting to the point where I'm convincing myself that I'm probably going to buy a week's worth of these things. Oh, wow. Yeah. And just wear them constantly because they're so comfortable. I love them so much. But. Uh, something new that I've had to, t- to go into, I did talk about it last week, is the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. Look, look in the mirror. Chances are, if you haven't been doing anything about it, you got ear and nose hair. That's just the way look, the things work. Look, here we go right now. I'm going to use it right now. <laughs> Live reaction on the show. <laughs> you know what? This is also rechargeable and waterproof, and you know what's great about that? Saul doesn't know how to get to the bathroom because we have cords galore in the studio. That's how it works. Uh, but you know... The thing that's great about it, it's got a 9,000 RPM motor, 360-degree rotary blade, and it happens so quick and so smooth, and the blades are nice and sharp that it doesn't pull your hair like my old one did. It's a great product. I'm excited to hear it just buzz up in your saw. You know what? No, I didn't think you were joking. You know what's great about it, though, is it's waterproof, just like the Weed Whacker, which the hidden benefit, not even hidden, really it's, it's an obvious benefit that comes from that. It makes cleaning these things way easier. You know, when you're trying to clean a normal one that's not waterproof, which plenty of them are these days, thankfully, but... That ends up helping a huge bit where you can dip it in water, scrub it, make sure you get it as clean as you want it to be before you go and do it. Uh, So there you go. Last up to 90 minutes of use on the battery, which is way better than the batteries that I actually do. Because I'm going to tell you right now, batteries are expensive, Saul. Did you know this? I've been buying batteries lately. 
I mean, Duracell, you know, the ones that, the, you, if, you're, if I'm buying batteries, I'm not buying like some Sunbeam Dollar General batteries or, you know, Dollar brand Tree. Brand hey, 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 hey. Hey. We love it. The chaos of on-air things. You get to hear me yelling into the microphone about Saul having something. Oh, look, he bent it. It's okay. These things have been bent enough times. It's already <laughs> so bent that I can't tell. <laughs> Anyway, remember you can head over to manscaped.com, use code SQRD, get 20% off of your first order, as well as free shipping. Gotta throw the free shipping in there. Gotta do that. It supports us, it supports the show, and it supports your grooming habits. Supports your clean balls. Your balls will thank you. Once again, manscaped.com, code SQRD, 20% off your order, free shipping. I think I cleared up my uh, my nose hair so well I'll be able to sleep better tonight. (laughs) I can breathe. Well, there you go, Saul. I wiped it off. It's clean. Oh, you're fine. I'm going to wash it. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I said. I you like that. You got to shave the nose hair. You got to shave the nose hair? You gotta, with, with my nose hair. With hairs. your nose hair in it? We're going to create a clone. I just like that because it's so much. My other one's not waterproof. The one I told you that's a stick. Yeah, so mine's not it's either. It's really hard to clean. Yeah. And I got to the point where the first day, because I have used this, the first day I used it, I did that, and then I just literally washed it, poured some soap on it, went around it, yeah. did that, shook it out. Can't even tell. I'm like, this is great. I, I wish I wish mine was like, mine runs off of like a AAA. Ergonomic too. Mine yeah, runs off a AAA. See, my other one's like a little pencil. That's what mine and it's is. It's really it's hard a to hold. cap that you pop off yep. of it. Yeah. That's, yep. and, and within like day, or I say day, like within time number three of using that thing, I was pulling those hairs and I hate it. I hate that too. It was snugging. I, oh yeah. This one's really quiet too. My other one, when it, it would hit a hair, it was like, Wah! like, okay. But, yeah, I like it. It's a good product. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Manscaped, for supporting the show. Uh, guys, head over there. Step your, uh, step your grooming game up. Support them and support us. Here we are moving into the main topic at hand here, or the main show, the main part of the show. The news. The news. And we're going to start this thing off with all the Resident Evil news that happened this week. So one thing is that if you own Resident Evil 7 and you've been living under a rock, uh, you may have hopped onto your PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and noticed that... It had recently been updated. I'm sure this happened to some people who probably first grabbed this game uh, or grabbed this game for the first time off of the PS Plus collection on PS5. You may have noticed that there's an update. Sadly, this isn't like a next-gen patch or anything like that to get the game moving up or even to a boost VR, though I would love to see this game get a resolution boost for VR on PS5. Um, Instead, what this is is a simple update that adds advertisement for Resident Evil Village or Resident Evil 8, whatever you want to call it. I'm sure it's going to be like 7 where it's, Resident Evil Biohazard is what it was called, but then they come back and call it Resident Evil 7 Biohazard. Yeah. Biohoward. Biohoward. (laughs) That sounds like a sitcom. It does. Uh, Anyway, it's just for Resident Evil Village, and uh, it's kind of similar how you may remember back in uh, whenever Resident Evil 3 was dropping, they went back and updated Resident Evil 2 Remake to have, uh, at the very beginning when you're going into the police station, you can hear a roar from Nemesis. Yeah. And then there's also a note you can find from Jill. So in that regard, that's pretty cool, but it would be kind of cool if it was actually a hidden item kind of like this. But... Resident Evil 7 is a little bit of a different game for the series, even though it was a good game. So speaking of Resident Evil Village, we got a deep look at the game's setting, characters, and inventory system with the Resident Evil showcase that happened this last week. We saw more of our favorite towering vampire mistress, uh, otherwise known as Big Titty Goth Girl, 
Mommy. On the internet. Uh, mama, as we're going to call her. Uh, mommy. <laughs> I mean, I guess she's pretty busty, so if you want to have that fill in the role. Uh, we got to also see a shift from the dilapidated House of Seven, which I was kind of talking about just now, which is kind of a different setup for the, the series. More to a return to the larger ornate buildings that most of the series has utilized. Um, we also see a return to Resident Evil 4's Tetris-like inventory system and crafting, as well as a vaguely friendly merchant called the Duke. Which may remind you of what are you buying? The merchant, yeah, one of the best characters of the series. <laughs> yeah, and of course he knows way too much about you, despite you not knowing anything about him. So that's where we are. The of course this came alongside new story trailer that you can watch. There's also new gameplay that you can just watch completely uninterrupted gameplay. Uh, this title, of course, keeps the first person's perspective of Resident Evil Seven as you continue the story of Ethan Winters from Seven. And the game is set to launch on May seventh for both next-gen consoles and current-generation consoles. Now, here's where we get into a weird thing. A lot of people kind of come down to where we're in, the, we're in these months right now where you're going to have some arguments over why call it next-gen and current-gen because technically speaking, the launch of the PS5 and Series X moved us into next-gen PlayStation and Xbox consoles. Right. And if you want to go further back, technically speaking... Switch moved us into the next generation of consoles. Nintendo doesn't ever count in that to me. But yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's to the point where most people view them as I won't say catching up because I think they've done a good job of diversifying themselves to where in a way you could say from third party support they're playing catch up, but when it comes to their primary system, they're just doing their own thing. Right. So, but uh Basically, what we mean there is that PS5 and Series X is what they're calling next-gen, despite the fact that, for many, that's current-gen. Uh, but it also means that they are coming to PS4 and Xbox One, which, if you remember, there were reports and rumors that they had to be moved up because they weren't running well enough on old consoles. And I think two things happen here. Um, we did see the game in early stage back when the PlayStation 5 was revealed, and it did look a little choppy. And I think it's where all these rumors kind of stemmed from. I think the new gameplay that you see, which is running on PS5, looks really good. looks solid. Uh, no problems running anywhere. It clearly can run on old consoles. Probably not nearly as good. But it's going to come out on those unless we have another Cyberpunk 2077 on our hands, which oh I don't think Capcom would be silly enough to do. Oh, dear. And, of course, uh, it's, it's nice to see that it's not all choppy like that anymore. It's just... it's. Interesting that it came down to that, but we're in that internet era where you get clout for making crazy rumors, and then if the game would have been moved up to PS5, Xbox, uh, Series X only, the person would have been like, see, I told you. But now we have the exact opposite of that. Yeah, and I mean, like going back just to look at the Resident Evil 8 footage, like the, the reveal footage, you could tell how bad it looks, but then you can directly compare it to Maiden, the new demo, mm-hmm. and it looks miles better. Yeah, I think it's just what happens when you see games in early stages. Sometimes, it's yeah, like, you know, they're not. They can show you, but it's like we talked about last episode, where just because a game is playable from start to finish a year before release doesn't mean you should. Yeah, because that's just how it goes. We always tell the story of uh, God of War. You can see Santa Monica talking about God of War being almost unplayable about four weeks before it released. Speaking of God of War, did you know that there is an interesting way that you can get 4K 60 frames per second in that game? If you down patch it to the very original game, oh yeah, the the one point yes. yeah, and you could technically get it to sixty frames per second and play a four K. It's not straight four K. It's still the it, yeah. but it, but it's the highest resolution that you can still get at sixty instead of what PS Five did, which is 
still in a capped resolution and then moves up. It's interesting, but uh, as Saul mentioned, there is a demo for the game called Maiden that is available exclusively for PS5 with Sony leveraging their relationship with Capcom as well as likely uh, throwing a little bit of cash. Who knows? Uh, similar to what we saw with 7 with the, what was it called, Beginning Hour demo? That sounds correct. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds more familiar. But it was, yeah, it was literally just a demo of the start of the game, basically. Yeah. So uh, it was it was one of those cool things where it was, a, it was a demo, and even though it mostly matched up to what happened in-game, it was unique. Yeah, because it was like a prequel, right? Well, no, that's what, that's kind of what Kitchen was. Kitchen was the PSVR demo. Yeah, but... You know what? You might be right though, because in the demo for Seven, you had to go through the tape. It was it was so different. Oh, I thought I thought you were the big, the creator of the tape that you find in the Seven. I might be wrong, Josh. I think you're know, right. No, you're Josh right. You're know. right. Yeah, you're right. You are. You're yeah. yeah. It's either way. It's you're, weird. Like how it goes. What are you like a real estate agent or something in that in the in the hmm. demo? No, you're like a camera crew. Camera crew that's going oh, there for like for a like reality a, show. Or yeah, something. it's like a haunted yeah. house thing. And then of course things go. I like I like the, the the I need to play it and I'm gonna wait until a PS5 patch to probably do so for seven I, I liked the like the the story even though I, I fully know it now because I spoiled myself on purpose but um this I, I guess just the environment and the story of that game is pretty cool seven yeah yeah dude I, I really would love to go back and play seven again on VR but with it not being so fuzzy because I still think Resident Evil Seven is like the big showcase for psvr and i'm sad that resident evil 8 doesn't seem to have that even though it's clearly designed to be able to but um it's one of those things where i would love to be able to see it without it being oh the game's pretty clear on my tv but then pretty blurry in vr now it's better on ps4 pro than it was on ps4 i did do a comparison of that day one because i got vr resident evil 7 and all that stuff with the ps4 pro coming out a month later i just directly compared them and it was a lot better on pro from a resolution standpoint, but it could be better. It could have done what like blood and truth did where it comes in and unlocks moves the frame, uh, moves the resolution all the way up to a native 4k, even though the panels are only 1080p right. and then super sample. So you get a really clean 1080p. That's that's, that should be a standard and 120 frames per second instead of it doing the 90 that then they black frame inter uh, do up to 120. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. It's how we are. It's the limitations of technology, but it's cool either way. Uh, cleaning up Resident Evil news, though, the reported remake of Resident Evil 4 has undergone an internal reboot of sorts as Capcom have moved new studio M-2 from Super... Uh, super from spearheading the development and instead shifted much of the title's development to Capcom Division One, the team behind mainline Resident Evil games like Eight and DMC games. With this shakeup, the title has moved from its 2022 window to a 2023 window. Now... Here's a good thing for me. I mentioned back when this Resident Evil 4 remake first got uh, reported. Mm -hmm. And I said that I like it. I like the idea. I'm cool with that. I'm glad Resident Evil is thriving when everybody's looking at Konami like, what the hell are you going to do with Silent Hill? (laughs) It's just where we are. But I mentioned that the problem that they were running into is that they at least had like, they got to where they were releasing a Resident Evil every year. And at least Resident Evil 8 offered a somewhat break in that it was a different style of Resident Evil game, being first person, which does make it feel unique. But then my worry is that still you're getting into a thing where then you follow it up with Resident Evil 4. And I was worried about it becoming a yearly franchise, which it technically had. 
now through this shakeup because of Capcom and M Dash Two kind of having a differentiation of what they want to do with the title. It's definitely it not means a year. that we have a year without it. Yeah, and I think that that's probably a good thing. As we've gotten with everywhere, I think every game runs through a time where it's doing really well, so they make one every year, and then it starts to decline. And that's normally what makes you stop and be like, we're going to do every two years now. And now we get to the point where, kind of like Assassin's Creed did, but they had to get continued lesser sales to get there. Here we have the thing of going, oh, you know what? We're being forced to do this, but hopefully it's for the good of the studios that are making it, not giving them the same kind of burnout, not giving player fan base a burnout. And I think that's a good thing, personally. I'll, I will go into Resident Evil well. 4 Remake way more excited than I otherwise would have been. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just really curious to see what they're going to do to that game. Me too, because apparently the, the change-ups came from M-2 wanting to stay completely faithful to the original GameCube release, not including the PS2 stuff that they added later, uh, and then also unwilling to want to make moves to somewhat set up this game to tie into later games better because like you notice in resident evil 2 remake and then and even more of a degree in resident evil 3 remake they made changes that kind of play into where i think they're wanting to take the, the games moving forward yeah and that's cool i understand doing that and it seems like m-2 are kind of hesitant because m-2 was also pretty heavily involved in resident evil 3 remakes development oh i didn't know that yeah uh that team has got a bunch of ex capcom people um and X Platinum Games people, and there's some other studio that I can't remember right now. But that's cool. It's like it was people technically Platinum's all X Capcom studio, you know. Yeah. But uh, that was a cool thing to see starting up a new studio with those people. So uh, next thing up on the list, Uncharted's debut to cinema has been delayed yet again to February 2022. This comes alongside many of Sony's other movies receiving delays as well, likely pointing to issues surrounding the pandemic, but it might be more how how the pandemic has impacted release schedule. I almost wonder if this move is more to give the movie its best chance to do really well day one. Yeah. Or if this is because they're having issues actually getting the movie complete from an editing standpoint. I don't know. It's it's honestly hard to tell with Sony Pictures because they seem to have some some development issues when creating these, some movies like Venom. Do you remember how long Venom was in, in production for, or in talks to be made? I, I remember in talks to be made, and then it finally happened. It seemed like once it happened, and they filmed it, it was pretty quick to come out. <laughs> and you saw the outcome. <laughs> I, I liked the movie, but it could have been better. Yeah, it yeah. definitely could have been better. Um, but I just I don't have hopes for this movie at all. I don't either, but at least this delay is with footage that's been shot. The only thing that could happen now that would be like, of course, is if for some reason they end up throwing all of this away (laughs) and it just doesn't come out. Yeah, no. And they end up writing another new script and changing it to where now we're going back to an old Nate and we're going to bring in Nathan Fillion. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But my thing is, is that I'm not even, that's no hope at all because. It's if that happens, we clearly know that this is in the wrong hands, and that Sony just doesn't need to keep trying to make movie game tie-in things. Yeah, but it's fine. Uh, let's see. Next thing up, if Sony, uh, or it seems Sony is keeping up with its trend of 
giving its big exclusives uh, a kind of special send away and sending players who get to platinum a in like Spider-Man Miles Morales for this example an email with a special reward the reward is an exclusive frame for the game's photo mode which is kind of cool but also kind of interesting cuz I like the idea of you getting like avatars and platinum themes and it would have been a lot cooler to be like here's the first PS5 theme avatar avatars are my favorite way to go about this but yeah like to get a to get for the first theme of the system to be that would be really cool well and it would kind of it would have been a cool way to tell people like themes are going to be a big thing on this system even though we're not quite there right like here's at least one that we spent time doing but it makes me wonder is the reason we don't have themes because they don't quite have the back end system set up for that yet yeah i don't know that's a good question I, i really don't have a clue yeah, nobody does. But still, it's cool. Now, here's the thing. I've gotten the Platinum in this game, and I have not gotten this email yet. I'm not sure why. May go check my trash, but I get all the other PlayStation emails, so we'll... My Bloodborne one came in my trash. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder what or makes spam. the flag a spam. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe Gmail has a thing like where here's your is tagged. So, like, here's your <laughs> gift. Yeah. It's like, hey, no, go on. Get. So... That's cool, and I, this is interesting in that it's the first time I can think of where the thing that you get is actually usable in-game. But also, let me say for just a second, giving that at the time of Platinum is kind of weird because that's when most people are going to walk away from the game. That's true. Yeah, like, like the Horizon Zero Dawn suit yeah, you get towards like, the end of the game. Well, at least, like, But at least cool. it's on the way to the Platinum. Yeah. This is like you get the Platinum and then months later when you've probably never thought about touching the game again or at least will wait for a long time, now you suddenly get a thing. But I think that depends on how you play games. I don't think about it very much, but there are people who still, despite probably Platinuming Spider-Man 2018, continue to play it every day or at least every couple months. That's not me. I can't. For me, that's why I always argue that games should have new game plus modes just to be able to use cool stuff like that at the beginning of a new game. Sure. All right, let's see. Back in December, Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War's cross-generation bundle was glitched or mistakenly priced at $9.99 as opposed to $69.99. Sony, of course, fixed this quickly, as usually happens, but some users were able to take advantage of the error beforehand. It seems that Sony has begun refunding a month out the purchase and revoking the licenses of users who were able to jump on the deal. The reason I bring this up is that we've seen we've seen this happen plenty of times, and we see people on Twitter like Wario sixty four jump and be like, "Hey, this game is is currently listed this way. Go jump on a deal." Yeah, we've never seen Sony do this that I'm aware of. Yeah, this sets a weird precedent that I think could see Sony get into some legal trouble in certain areas that have really strict laws about the way that final sales go. See, for me, I think that if they mess up, they messed up. Like I get a perfect example of this. I ordered a Casper mattress. I ordered the nine ninety nine base model. I was shipped and received the two thousand dollar base model, the 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 wave hybrid. Yeah, and I didn't realize that until I unboxed it because I wasn't paying attention to the box. I and you probably cut it, it open already, right? Yeah, yeah. It was already like it was on the bed frame, and I was like, I looked at the end, and I was like, that's not that's not the no, normal Nova or whatever they're called. So I called them, and they're like, no. They said just keep it. That's our fault. They yeah. said. Uh, it would go to a recycling place anyways. We wouldn't get it back. And he said, and they, and the guy told me, he's just like, just keep it, enjoy it. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah. So, See, and that's, and that's what's true. And that's physical product, which is always different. Cause like true. you said, it's a mattress. If you don't like it, it has to just go be thrown away. And that's yeah. part of why those things are priced the way they are, because they try and have these guarantees. So they go, well, we got to break it into where people who don't like it, we can kind of 
tell them to go throw it away without losing a bunch. Right. But um, you get to this point where that's a physical product. And, of course, the idea behind physical is you've left the store. you've It's gotten to you. You have it already. The chances of them coming and tracking you down to change it is pretty low because it's a physical item. Well, not only that, but like, let's say if you go to Target and you want a new Lego set. And the Lego set you want is $100, but it's in the right spot, but with the wrong label... Or the, the label is made wrong, or even if it's in the wrong spot for $30. It's like, typically, I'm not trying to be a Karen here, but it's like, it's like you can talk to somebody and they will fix that for you because it's typically their responsibility. It's hit or miss. There's yeah. technically no law in the U.S. for most states. I think there are certain states that have it stricter. I think California is one of them. But for a lot of states, they don't have to honor it. They can say, this is a mess up, this is whatever. and they. But sometimes... They'll just go ahead and honor it as a PR. Right. Hey, goodwill method. It's a goodwill thing. If they know you, if you're a common customer or whatever, we'll go ahead and do it. Don't worry about it. Um, And it also depends on how you act, of course. But at the end of the day, you are costing this company money. Right. So I get it. It, But you definitely, it's the thing. Once you've bought the item, there's a very big difference. If, If you go to a counter and you go, hey, here's this, and they scan it, and then you look and you go, well... That said, it was $40, and they're like, oh, and then they go look, and they're like, well, that was a mess up. We can't sell it to you at that. You didn't pay for it. You didn't make it out of the door. Right. It's a big difference to when, when if you, you checked it out, and then they come running to you afterwards. You'd be like, hey. You'd be like, I bought it made now. made it out the door with this game. This is Sony coming back in sly on the back end and being like, refund? Put that money back there? Yeah. and it's, Let me get that license? It's not even something you could opt out of. Like, Yeah. I just think it's a weird thing, and, and if they don't get in legal trouble, we may see them employ this more often. Which is weird. I don't. I don't know. I would think they'd get in legal trouble with at least one country. I think that from what uh, one of our patrons and longtime listeners, Josh, and even uh, like Jason Clendenning, they've talked a lot about Australia's very, very strict policies, and I think that this would get them in trouble yeah. in a place like Australia. They have quickly. some of the most pro-consumer policies when it comes to stuff like this. It does seem like this primarily happened in the U.S. and in the U.K. Okay. So it may it may just depend on the legal the legalities of those areas. I don't know, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting hard thing to, to talk tell. About. Yeah. Uh, next up, the cast of the classic Metal Gear Solid recently reunited in a Zoom call that David Hayter posted on his Twitter with the tease of quote an epic reunion with the Metal Gear Solid cast to rock your world. Details coming soon. Now, while this could be tied to nothing more than a fun get together for fans, kind of like we saw the Nier Automata voice act uh, cast get together, and a fan had translated a Japanese play that included some of those characters, and so they took it over and acted it out. That was cool, and it's a great thing for fans. But there, are, of course, the the everlasting rumor of a Metal Gear Solid remake has many hoping that this is a sign of the team reuniting to re-record lines in the game of their dreams. No, this is this is okay. I love David Hayter, but I he, do too. he typically blows things way out of proportion. Definitely when it comes this to is, Snake and Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, this is one hundred percent a Discord call screen, like uh, or a, 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 like a line read for fun. That's what this yeah, is. I, I, I agree, one hundred percent. That's all this is. Like, and is that cool? I kind of I've never been a fan of those things. Like I don't care. I absolutely adored the Nier Automata one, but I also really like that voice cast. I like the voice cast for Metal Gear Solid, and I to me it's just like, well, this is cool for like two minutes. And it, like, it depends on what it is. See, I think the Nier Automata thing was like, oh, this is something I would I wouldn't be able to experience anyway. It's a Japanese play that they don't have a translation for. Someone's fan translated it, and now this is someone giving it to you almost like an audiobook. Or now that that would be cool. Or 
they do cool insightful things that are like behind the scenes. That would be cool. Or rewrites that they would do and stuff like that. But if but if it's something that's just very which is what this is very common among voice actors is they'll get together and they'll just do line readings. And from the the few that I've seen, it's just like this is like listening to audio from the game, except I'm watching them do it, which is cool, but it's not exactly interesting to me. Unless they go in like, this is what I was thinking behind the way I chose to voice this line. Yes. Now, the other thing that I really love is this, that there's no way you could do this in video game media in a, in a sense. Um, I guess you could, but like it would be a lot of work. Is that like if Sony Santa Monica or like Sucker Punch or something had their actors react to voice lines and stuff as they recorded them, almost like a first-time script reading, and then you publish it after the fact. Like, oh. one of the coolest things that I've watched is, um, anybody can, it's on YouTube, uh, is if you're a fan of The Office, you can go watch the last episode script reading, and you get to see all them react to the script for the first time. Oh, that's cool. And it's really cool to see in retrospect after watching it. And I don't know if video game would work that well, that, like that, like that. Uh, it's also a lot longer. It's a lot longer, yeah. But not only that, but it's I don't know to the extent of which voice actors are all voice actors. I should say get in um, line with their characters and then their other cast members. So yeah, it's hard to tell. You know is. what I've always thought would be cool for games, but I also looked through and it may have already happened. Uh, definitely back when games weren't so long, I've always thought it would be cool. You know how when you buy like a DVD. Uh, or something. One of the cool things about physical media that digital just haven't caught up with yet is commentary. If you buy a Blu-ray or a DVD, you'll get like a director's. Co- you get a version you can watch with dire- director's commentary. If you buy that same thing digitally, it's just the movie. Right. Um, I've always thought it would be cool if, as a means to try and still give people a reason to want to buy physical media, is if the games themselves came with like a version of the game that you can play with developer commentary on or voice actor commentary to where you can play the game and then it unlocks as almost a new game plus feature where it's like you can replay the game and as you're playing the game will narrate you know things about oh this moment right here we thought was really cool because we wanted to do it this way and see this my only issue with that though is is that my favorite style of dvd commentaries of any kind or even movie commentaries are that when they um it is its own version of the movie that you're watching, and by that I mean that you you can play and pause, obviously, but they themselves will play and pause things, and they're like like they'll stop a scene and then they'll discuss parts about the scene and stuff like that. Yes. You see them, you can't do that for the game. Well, you can if you, but it's more uh, work. I don't think you can because like you'd have to pause the gameplay and you just yeah, it'd be like the game would auto pause for you. Yes. See, I feel like it, that, it's possible. Would you like it because no, it's taking the thing? I would, but not. you could do it. Yeah, that would be that would be way more jarring than watching them like pause a movie because at that point they they typically say like we'll go ahead and pause here and show you. And it's almost as if you were pausing the movie, but if you're pausing the game, you only typically pause games to do something else. Yeah, I mean, well, that's also when you pause movies. To be fair, <laughs> my point being is that while I don't think everyone would True. like it, it would be a cool thing to continue to give physical media it's some form of an upper hand uh, as just a hey because if you if you want the game physically you probably care more about the, the deep details of this game anyway uh, so the chances are that you'd be interested in seeing this and we got mild versions of that back in the ps3 when you could see the game when you put the disc in and then below it was like extras a uh, good example of that is you could watch a documentary from the ico shadow of the colossus ps3 remaster where you got to see blue point talk about the game uh ways to bring the game forward in certain ways but still stay true to what it was um i forget they did the, the remaster and the remake yeah 
Uh, and you saw the same thing, like God of War 3, if you bought it physically, came with a thing that was like all the God of War directors from the first three games sitting in a thing and talking to each other about their games, which was, uh, of course, David Jaffe. And then David Jaffe and Corey Barlog co-directed uh, God of War 2. And then Stig Asmussen did 3. So you got to see all of them talk about the games and what it meant to them. <laughs> so I almost wish that when you sneezed that you you hit the wall with your hand, but if your head just smacked the wall. I know he didn't want to hit his head against the wall, but I think that would be cool. I'd like that kind of thing, but ultimately don't get high hopes for this because like Saul said, it's very likely something like a reading of some sort and kind of just going through that. Uh, Next thing up while Saul's out doing something might be dropping a deuce, might be just blowing his nose. Who knows? Sony Santa Monica looked to be working behind the scenes on something other than God. He wasn't dropping a deuce. If so, it's the quickest deuce ever record time. Saul, Record time. Do you uh, want like a snotty tissue on the table? No, I'm good. Because <laughs> I don't want it in my pocket. Are you telling me we need a studio trash can? Absolutely. Okay, we can make that happen. Use up Patreon funds. Thank you, guys. Yeah, thank you, guys. Sony Santa Monica looked to be working behind the scenes on something other than God of War's follow-up as the studio took to Twitter to post a job opening for an art director for an unannounced title. Uh, is this a second studio effort or principal work from a small group on what they want to do after the next God of War? Not sure. We kind of talked about Sony's uh, take on expanding their development uh, capabilities is looking at studios they already have and scaling them up and taking people off of certain things and splitting teams in ways that people who have a good vision can go off and be a lead somewhere else Yeah. Uh, while you still have a lead elsewhere. We saw that happen like when like Naughty Dog became a two-studio team for a little bit for Uncharted 3 and uh, The Last of Us. Then we saw them consolidate back together for Uncharted 4 and then, of course, The Last of Us 2. So it's not impossible, and I think it makes a lot of sense that Santa Monica used to do a lot more uh, ex-dev work where they would support other studios, kind of like we saw with The Order 1886, and if they, they seem to be doing less of that. So if they are, there's probably staff that are freed up from that. But at the same time, a lot of studios will do this thing where they have a small group of people who break off a group of 10, maybe 20, sometimes less, who go, what do we want to do next? Here's this idea. Let's take this idea and run with it and expand it. It get a basis so that once we're done with God of War, Ragnarok or whatever you want to call it, that we can move on and work towards this. Now, here's the only thing about that. God of War, or it's, 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 it's potentially showing us that God of War, Ragnarok might be further along than we thought. That's the first thing. Right. Because if they have a team working on this, it could mean that they're gearing up to where once God of War Ragnarok ships, they can just move over to that full sale, like, you know, full sale. But the fact that it's also looking for an art director, it could be another studio it, or another team within the studio. Uh, we're going to see. But this also could be something that's many, many years off. It's. We almost saw a two studio God of uh, a two studio setup for Santa Monica when Stig Asmussen was working on the space exploration game that they were doing that we've seen some uh, concept art on. That game got canned, and the studio just folded back into the main studio. But it'd be cool to see. Yeah, I mean, like for you, because Santa Monica for years has been the God of War studio, right? And you, what would your ideal thing from what you've seen them do good at, would you like to see them experiment with? Or would you like to see them go out of left field so you can see what their strengths are on something that's nothing like what they've done? A cinematic 
Star Wars game. <laughs> With good writing. I mean, I think that actually, they, I think they, they would nailed be, writing. They would be great at making a um, just a Western traditional RPG. Okay, like an actual like RPG. Like an actual RPG. Like God of War gets close. It does. I think, it brushes against a lot of that, I and think, in a comp- in a competent way. And they would do good with something like a like um, I forget what it's called, but it's like um, like knights and dragons and stuff. What is that? What is that era of thing of time called? Medieval. I guess so. I thought there was like a, a specific like plate, the plate era or something. Like they had its own era of time in which. I don't know. I guess it is medieval, but medieval, yeah, a medieval RPG would be cool to be done by them. But with still some kind of like fantasy like dragons in it? Yeah, because like Demon Souls has opened up that itch for me, and now I need something to scratch it. Oh, yeah, looking at a more Western take on. Yeah, okay, I got you. Yeah. yeah. That'd be cool. Also, that's part of what I love about Demon Souls is that it's, a, it's very clearly inspired by Western architecture and stuff like that, yet it's made by a very Japanese developer. But that's yeah. cool. I like that. It was done really well. And then you have the same thing with Bloodborne. You know, it's a very, it, you're looking at very Western ideas of like architecture and Lovecraftian horror. Very interesting. Um, next up, we got a couple things left. The team behind the Crash Insane Trilogy and Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 remake, Vicarious Visions, have been folded into the Blizzard side of Activision Blizzard with the studio's goal to be fully or quote fully dedicated to existing blizzard games and initiatives this comes after the studio collaborated with blizzard and blizzard felt the opportunity existed for them to provide long-term support for the company but more importantly bloomberg's jason schreier previously of kotaku as you may remember reports that this comes after blizzard quietly dismantled blizzard's team one which was the team behind the recently uh, released Warcraft 3 Reforged, which was like a remake of Warcraft 3. It was the lowest rating game, uh, rated game a Blizzard has ever put out. Got, I think it got like a 59. Huh. Um, really bad. Uh, but that studio had moved on to remaking Diablo 2, and they had done kind of a post-mortem of what went wrong with Reforged, and they planned to change the way that they handled Diablo 2. But... With that in mind, I think it makes sense that Vicarious Vision staff are likely to continue their absolutely excellent work in remaking beloved classics. They're just going to be doing so under a new banner. I wouldn't be surprised if a large portion of Vicarious Visions is going to be spearheading the Diablo 2 remake. I actually think it's been reported that that is part of what they're doing. I can see that. I would love that. Other than that, the rest of the team, I'm assuming, is just assisting with Diablo 4. Because whenever they originally canned blizzards team one they had given the diablo 2 remake back to the team that is working on diablo 4 downside of that slows down diablo 4 honestly i'm more excited for diablo 2 remake than diablo 4 so it's a mixed bag diablo 2 is a fantastic game with a ton of memories but it's all nostalgia fueled for me so seeing how they go about bringing it to the modern era it could either be really great and I could still love every aspect of the game and they make changes that are good, or it could make me realize, oh, without everything in place, like the kind of bad graphics at this point in time, the nostalgia's hit wrong. But it just depends. Maybe so, but even then... It's but Vicarious just... Visions, if anybody, is going to do it well. I think when I think of remake studios who have really spearheaded what a remake should be, I think Vicarious Visions, Blue Point. 
and I got to give a little bit of credit to Toys for Bob because they did do a good job with Spyro, and then they did a great job with bringing the franchise back with Crash Four. Uh, I don't think of them as like top tier remake studio because I think we've seen Vicarious Visions do it more, and we've seen Blue Point do it more now with two releases under their belts each that are really well regarded. But we will see. I'm just more excited for what Vicarious Visions can do to Diablo 2 than what Blizzard can do to Diablo 4. <laughs> I don't have hope for Diablo 4 at all. A lot really. of people don't have hope in Blizzard at all at this point. That's kind of where we are. Blizzard used to be, and the Bloomberg article talks about this, but this is true. Back when Blizzard first got bought out by Activision, and they kind of, or they merged, rather, uh, Blizzard had a lot of autonomy. It was like, hey, you know, we are our group. We will be what we want to be. We're going to make what we want to make with little input from Activision and all that. But now we've seen over and over Activision pushing more and more of their people over there and con- taking more and more control from Blizzard. But Blizzard also has two of their most high-profile releases ever being worked on, Diablo 4, a follow-up to Diablo 3, which is a massively successful game. Then you have also the follow-up to Overwatch, a massively successful game. So there's a lot of pressure on the studio right now, and a lot of higher-ups that have been there for a long time have left. We might, I, and you, I think people can see kind of why we're getting to the point where we might see Blizzard kind of collapse in on itself under the weight of its own things that it built up. You know, hopefully not. Yeah. We will definitely see. I saw that the other day. Kids drawing on PS Five. The hidden benefit, even though my daughter would never do that, is, is you that can pop them off and just. Well, that's true, but who knows if that's permanent marker? Maybe not. You can paint it at least. Yeah. But my consoles are going to be up in the air. Air, air. <laughs> Soon, at least. I'm remodeling my game room, and I'm almost done with the first part. There's more to be had. New furniture comes in Monday. It's going to be a good day. Uh, the last thing on here, so I'm going to let you spearhead this one, because I know you know about it. Uh, Xbox Live came out. They were like, we're going to make Xbox Live $120 for a year. And then people were like, no. And Xbox was like, yeah, you know what? That was dumb. We're not only going to reverse that, but we're going to go ahead and let people play free-to-play games for free on Xbox Live now, which is a big complaint people have had. Yeah. And rightfully so. So it was literally a 12 hour. Actually, no, it was an 18 hour um, difference. They announced it 18 hours later, they reversed it. See, I thought it was like 12 hours, but you might, might be right. Been, it might have been 12, but for some reason, they announced hours, it at like 11, and then they tweeted at 11 p.m. hour time at least. Oh, so it was 12 hours. They were like, and I could be wrong when they announced it, but it was like 10 or 11 in the morning that the thing came out. And then. By the end of the day, very close to me going to bed, I looked down, it was like 11.06, and they were like, we messed up today. <laughs> What's interesting about this is that it just seems that it's so off base for what Xbox has been for the past couple of years. Exactly. After Matrix. So it's, it, to me, it, it almost seems like some kind of suit at Microsoft was like, yeah, that's a good idea without even fully understanding the company. And then they went through with it only to be like, no, this was not a good idea. Reverse it. And they did. Because I don't think entirely this was an idea that Phil would have came up with, judging how he's been recently. Now, if this was like four years ago, maybe. Here's here's the way I'm viewing it. I got both my nose again. Go ahead. The way I kind of view this, right now at least, is that we have seen Xbox talk over and over again about the importance to them, at least, of building up Games Pass subscribers. Now, we've seen them do this a number of ways, offering months of Game Pass uh, you know, alongside your initial purchase. So like, if you buy Games Pass Ultimate and you're a first-time customer, you get two free months. So that means you get three months for $14.99. Then after that, you uh, one month for $14.99 each. 
And that means when you go to look at this and you're kind of going through everything, you have this set up to where it makes sense for a lot of reasons to go, well, if we can get people to look at Xbox Live only by itself and it be $120 a year, then what is to have it to be where at the end of everything you get to a point where, oh, okay, you have $120 a year for just just xbox live but if you pay 180 dollars a year then you get xbox live ultimate or game pass ultimate rather to where you're moving everybody into this idea of oh the price difference isn't there i'm gonna go ahead and just push up to game pass and i think that's all this was it was a for lack of a better word it was almost like a a deceiving tactic to fluff up Game Pass numbers because we've seen them talk about and I think that this is something we've seen them talk about Game Pass and how it's grown and how it's grown and how they're it's not profitable right now because they're wanting to grow it right and so they're doing all these deals and getting big games and all this I think this is the next move in that and from what Rude Days 93 one of our listeners has mentioned uh, there's some talk about how for Xbox, they get, you know, some of the CEOs are set up. And if it wasn't you, Rude, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm trying to think of who said it. That there's a plan in place to where, like, to motivate people to really push Games Pass, there are bonuses that are tied to Games Pass's growth. So if that's going on, then there's every reason for them to go, okay, this is how you motivate somebody, which is true. Classic way of motivating somebody is money. <laughs> you get more money if you get this many subscribers by the end of this fiscal year. Right. And this is a way to go, well, if we just make it where the gap is a lot closer, people will just go ahead and get both. But the rebuttal that we saw, I think there's a couple things there. The fact that you had – so you're talking about it doesn't seem like a move that Microsoft would make under Phil's you know, leadership. Right. But – for the same company that has been making Game Pass an absolutely excellent deal, there is no way around it. Game Pass is a great deal. How long that will last, who knows? That's, it seems to be Microsoft's way of building up studios to support it so they don't have to worry about third party anymore. But if, right now, it's a great deal. If they keep finding stupid juice, it may not be a good deal for much longer. <laughs> well, you never know. But you have that. And Game Pass Ultimate specifically is, is, the, is the great deal because you get – Xbox Live and Games Pass and Game Pass for PC. So that if you have all three platforms, you're good to go. Now, when you look at Xbox Live and the fact that it was already $60 a year and this company is doing all this great deal and being consumer friendly and doing free next-gen upgrades, it's also having it to where you can't play Warzone or Fortnite without having to pay $60 a year or $120 a year if you were paying for it month by month <laughs> originally anyway. Then you get to this point where... Those two things don't line up. You can't really bring those things together. So it goes to show that there's always been this part of Microsoft that's still trying to do the thing that makes the most business sense, which to make the thing that makes the most business sense for Microsoft is to make people pay to play free-to-pay games. Yeah. Because, hey, you're going to get this right here. You know, for a long time, you had to have Xbox Live to watch Netflix. Same basic idea. And we only see them take away from these things when they have heavy, and I mean heavy, resistance. I think that all the good PR from Games Pass was hiding all of the bad PR that comes from some of their decision-making on Xbox Live. And now we saw this come to such a spearhead where people were making memes of Nintendo Switch, play Fortnite, free. PlayStation Network, play Fortnite, free. Xbox Live, play Fortnite, $60 a month, scratch that, hundred or $60 a year, scratch that, $120 a year. Yeah, they got, 
they got their ass bit. That's really the best way to kind of work. They it. did, yeah. And I think that they saw the potential loss of customers, and they were like, you know what, we can't do this, so we have to reverse it. But what's what's odd, or not even odd, but what's telling of a company is the fact that they not only fixed it, but then they added an extra perk as like a sorry, because we just like not even like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, we were criticizing Xbox for still having uh, to pay to play free-to-play games for Xbox Live, and now they've removed that. And I think that, honestly, there are, a, a, I would guess, a large number of people who play Warzone, Fortnite. As their all, only thing. Yeah, uh, Apex as their only free, like, as their only multiplayer games, and they're having to pay for Xbox Live. So, in the end, this this run costs them customers regardless, because they people said, no, I'm not paying 120 so I, they canceled it. Or people were like... I don't need it now because I play Apex and that's all I play, so I'm going to cancel it. Um, it's interesting. It was damage control, you know. That's the thing. Is it, I mean, absolutely. The but, only reason it even happened is, of course, it gets to act as a as a cherry on top bonus. Like, oh, we're sorry, and this is how we know, you know we're sorry. We're, we're we're listening to you and removing this anti consumer, as people want to throw that word around, uh, this anti consumer move, uh, and then. It's also primarily because that's what they got flack for. I mean, all of the things are like you're raising the price on something that we already is already gatekeeped in such a way that's different from the rest of the industry. You're breaking industry standards, uh, which you uh, technically you're doing in two spots. You're breaking industry standards with Xbox uh, Game Pass Ultimate in a good way. Then you're breaking industry standards in a bad way with Xbox Live. How do you get these to come together? It's Rough, but that's what I was mentioning earlier. Because of what we saw here, this is the second time in a matter of six months, maybe even technically less, that we have seen Microsoft completely change plans based off of, for lack of a better word, the power of the internet mob. Now, I think that this was due diligence. I think that this was the mob doing something that should have happened. And I think that this was smart. And it hopefully keeps Xbox in check for a little while. Not saying that they haven't been in certain areas, but these things serve to remind companies we there's a certain expectation of our of our market and of our users. And this has happened twice now to where even a lot of Xbox people were disappointed with what was shown from Halo. Now, of course, the rest of the internet mob was really just PlayStation users who were kicking a horse while it was down you know just be like ha ha look how bad that looks kick kick yeah. kick but it served a point even xbox players were, were kind of disappointed with what was shown to some degree and now we have xbox users being disappointed again in this price hike and again there are people that well, of course were going in on xbox who don't play xbox who were going this is a dumb move kick 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 in this case those kicks were needed <laughs> And yeah. ha- Halo Infinite, those kicks were probably needed as well. Oh, they absolutely were. So we're in a position where I think Microsoft is learning some lessons that Sony's had to learn. Sony's learned some lessons that Microsoft had to learn. Right now, we're on the side where Microsoft is going to have an interesting next few months. Well, and it's it's one of those aspects of the internet that I I've talked about before, and it's it's kind of it's important. And that is that it doesn't matter if you love or hate a company; they could be your favorite company on earth. If they do something you don't like, speak. Let them know that means not buying their products if it was a substantial mistake, or if that means uh, you know addressing a community about it. Like it's it's, 
there is no cherry coating when it comes to that. If Sony messes up, I will blame Sony for messing up. They Certainly. Like the Vita. I will blame them and only them because it was their fault. Um, Xbox, when they make dumb decisions, I'll hold them accountable. Nintendo, the same thing. Um, yeah, Sony's responsible for their return policy. We yeah. talk about that all the time. Uh, it, sometimes companies need voices to just say, hey, now the thing is, is that this one was just egregious enough that within 12 hours, probably as many memes in the gaming community were created as the Bernie Sanders sitting meme. Yeah. And and I think that's a big reason. Those kind of memes, memes have power. They do. You don't realize. it's They're easy to share. They're easy to read. They, ca- they cause a little chuckle. Pepe they make is, a point. Pepe is now a hate symbol. <laughs> I, I, I disagree with it, but technically speaking, they do view it as such. Um, but yeah. Is that our community's take this week? Is Pepe a hate symbol? <laughs> Do you agree? No, um, no, let's not. No, we're not doing that. But this is an interesting thing. So this is a community stake, I think. Okay. N- name one business practice that is ongoing or that w- that a company could introduce that would give you enough of a reason to give backlash against them. It was this one of them for you. If there's one that's not this, I'd love to hear it. You know, was the great hacking of Sony's PSN a big reason for you to give backlash to Sony? Did it should you? have been. Yeah, it, did it you? absolutely should have been. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what I want to see. Cause you know, the thing that's fun about this is we have some listeners who are, you know, Saul and I are still in our twenties. So not for long, Saul, Saul, not for long, <laughs> like three months. Yeah. But we're still in our 20s, and I know we have some listeners that are up in their 30s and maybe some even in their 40s, and that means that they're going to be able to look back and think about things that maybe we're knowledgeable of, but we didn't really see the impact of at the time, kind of like the Sega Saturn releasing Surprise on stage at E3. Yeah, that was... It, or CES or whatever it was. Cool, they but did. like, yeah, it didn't work. Ill-founded. So you get to this point where I'm, I'm curious to see what PlayStation things from PS1 that I maybe am unaware of that people backlash against what ps2 things that backlash against ps3 things that i viewed differently at the time when of course i was a teenager who was not the quite as level-headed and now of course i don't think i've ever been as bad as the worst people in the console war thing but there was a point in time where i think saul will definitely tell you i was much more yes playstation no xbox yes so at that time i'd have viewed things differently i think i can look back at a lot of that even like the hacking of playstation and go yeah that was bad of course i knew it was bad back then but yeah it was bad (laughs) but you can see just how bad it is so that's it yeah what action has a company done in the gaming industry or could do that would cause you to give backlash you want to do want to add an addendum to that and say that a company that you love sure yeah. So what company that you love? That's more important. Is it's it's when something you yeah. know really hits you. Like I like this company, and they're completely going against what I think is a good move for them. Has made a policy or a mistake or a, a change something that that you wanted to voice your or that you should have or did a voice your opinion on. Um, yeah. So for those that don't know, you can answer that question over there at Twitter at uh, Triangle SQRD. That is uh, where you can follow us and interact with us as well as the community takes. As, of course, our Discord down in the description below. And, of course, our Facebook group, Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. It is kind of closed. All you got to do is request to join and you'll get in. It's pretty easy peasy. Shout out to uh, Manscaped.com. 
and uh, use discount code SQRD. That'll get you the 20% off these lovely products as well as free shipping. And uh, Dude, shout out to Saul. He just nailed it. I did. I didn't say discount code or, or triangle code. Discount, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and, uh, of course, you can always support us uh, by following the show on, on any podcast pr- program that you watch us on. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, uh, interact with us, give us reviews if you like it. If you don't like it, that's do the same thing. Give us a review. We, you know, we, we can change. Um, and, uh, we have a lovely set of Patreon people that every month donate and help out with the show and buy us stuff like trash cans that we desperately need and <laughs> stuff like, uh, uh, maybe a new light because I, I guess I bent it. I don't see where I've been today. I can unbend it. It's fine. Is it the thing? Is it the, it's the corner right there. Top like 11 o'clock. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's okay. It'll be okay. We're still lit up pretty well. Yeah, but, we're fine. Uh, we, I appreciate those people who help us support the show and keep it going for as long as it has because we are two episodes away from episode 200. 200. What are we going to do for 200? we got to do something special, right? Nothing. I don't know. 200, live stream. Two, I was going to say 200 could be like a pizza live stream. Like like we haven't done it in like a, two years. It's like been year. a little while. It's been a while. It was the Dark Souls full play where we had pizza. Was it episode stream. 100? No, I don't think that was episode. Was it 150? I don't think that was episode. Or was it just a hangout? I think I think you're right. It was a hangout. Yeah, I think we yeah, just we'll, did we'll it. do something. So... Well, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna we have our own ideas that we'll talk about. We'll do that, and then we'll kind of reach out and see uh, what the community wants to. Maybe so. We did do who one, can join us? Of course, is the other thing. One hundred. We did do calls where people called on the show. Maybe we could get that set up again. Um, there's no telling what we could do. Our imaginations are endless, and they are endless because of our wonderful Patreon users, which we shout out live at the end of every show. That's true. Head over to patreon.com slash nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month for early access to shows like Midweek Matinee, the weekly movie podcast that I do, or the series that we're about to have another episode in, the spoiler chats where we look at a singular game and give an in-depth review about it. Me and my buddy Chris Figs, who joined us last week. If you didn't listen to that episode, go check it out. Also, just for patrons, if you are of the 5 or $7 tier, depending on whether you're in-country or out, be on the lookout for your cases. I think most people have gotten theirs. If you haven't, please reach out to me and let me know. I can do some tracking, figure out what happened, uh, and we can go from there. I just like to get confirmation, which most of you have, so thank you guys so much. But without further ado, our patrons so gratefully support this show, and we'd like to give a big shout-out to Mark shout Schutz out. to begin with. Uh, we have Kyle Grimm, Josh Zarell, Matthew Green, my name is Dan, Luke Bartolomeo, Sean Santarude, Funk Turkey, Danny Villalobos, Corey Hickerson, Blake Popes, Kevin Bacon Bits, Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Rich, Constantly Kenny, Solitary Red, Chris Figs, Zachary Sawyer, Landis, Rude Days 93, Brian, Donovan Williams, William Digital Spooker, Derek Porter, Josh Ayers, Joshua Lago, Sean Wanneo, Tyler Powers, El Chabib, Jason Clendenning, and last but certainly not least, Mr. Richard Schaefer. Thank you guys so much. And again, if you want to support the show even further, head over to patreon.com slash nartech. Thank you. <laughs> 